This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit lizbruner.com and take your skills to the next level. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and the mantra that I have lived by is this. Just because you've never done something doesn't mean you can't. You just have to try. My guest today is also living by this very same philosophy. He's been an investor for the past 10 years, everything from real estate to gold, silver, cryptocurrency, to even Legos. He has his own company and is now a published author of two books. But here's the kicker. He's only 15 years old. That's right, 15. Devin Walwind, welcome to my podcast. Thank you very much for having me on, Liz. Very happy to be here and happy to teach people. I love that philosophy. Thanks, Devin. I'm going to help our listeners do the math here, just in case they need a little help. If you are now 15 and you've been an investor for the past 10 years, that means you started investing at the age of five. Most five-year-olds are not thinking about investing. Where did this idea to become an investor at that age even come about? My parents had been investing since, well, before I was born. So investing was just kind of a normal part in our family. Eventually, when I was five, I walked up to my dad and asked, I'd like to start investing. What can I invest in? (laughs) First, he was probably a little bit confused. (laughs) Taken aback, I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah. This five-year-old kid I have now wants to invest. Okay, what do I tell him? I guess what I tell everyone else, invest in what you know. At the time, the only thing I knew a lot about was Legos. Ah. I had to figure out a way to invest in Legos. Okay. Was that even successful? Is it still successful when you invested in Legos? Uh, I made quite a few mistakes, but I learned from it, which helped me in the future. Maybe the investment itself didn't make money, but the amount of money it saved in the future has helped me tremendously. There are always lessons learned along the way. I know your dad also gave you another piece of advice, which was to quote unquote, learn. And one of the first things that you did was read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. What did that book teach you? That book helped me get in the right mindset for investing, how to think through things more like an investor and not like an employee. Okay, now I do know that you recently met Robert. What do you remember about that meeting? I actually got my picture taken with him this January and then also got to talk to him a little bit at the Limitless Expo a couple months ago. What do you remember most about that? Did something surprise you about meeting him? Well, a surprising thing is he talks quietly in person. Other than that, he's very similar to how he's on stage. Okay, interesting. Let's jump a couple years ahead to age seven. At age seven, your first piece of real estate, it was a single family rental property. How'd you find the property? How'd you get the money to come up with a down payment? Because I know you weren't getting an allowance. (laughs) So even if you had been, that probably wouldn't have been enough. So fill in the blanks for us. When I was seven, I decided... Hey, I've been investing for a couple years. Now I'd like to get into into some real estate like my parents. And they said, first, you need to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is what I did. 
And then I went to the National Real Estate Conference, OREA. Great conference, by the way. <laughs> After that, I found a deal. I believe I was riding in the car and drove past a house with a for sale sign. And after looking into it, they were asking $50,000 for the home. And based on what I had come up with, the house was worth about $80,000. That meant that when I bought it, I would have a very large amount of equity. That made it so I could get a lender to loan on it much easier, especially because I was seven at the time, and not many people would think loaning to a seven-year-old would be the best idea. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but because the house had so much equity, they couldn't really lose money on the deal. But where did you get the money? Did you get a loan from the bank to get it? That's another interesting thing. I can't get a bank loan. Exactly. You're not old enough, right? Yeah. When I was writing my first book, I went to four different banks and each of them had their own version of no, and it's against our company policy. What I actually do is I talk to other people and we refer to these as private lenders. Okay. It's just people like my accountant. He knows how much I make on these. So of <laughs> course him being my lender just makes sense. Also, my school evaluator, since I'm homeschooled every year, I have to get evaluated to make sure I'm keeping up. So just people that have savings and want to get higher than the 0.1% interest or whatever it is in a bank. So when I borrow it at 6, 8, 10%, they make much more than they otherwise would. They're happy and I get to buy property, which makes me happy. I think it's so funny that, that they actually make more money by loaning money to you underage, technically, <laughs> than they would perhaps somebody else. I also read in your book, there were a couple of board games that you played that you say taught you about real estate and real estate investing, cash flow and monopoly. What'd you learn from those games? Because I wouldn't think that they would necessarily be helpful in learning, but clearly they were. Monopoly, not as much, but Cash flow is an incredible game that teaches about, well, cash flow, real estate, investing, mm -hmm. even a small amount about stocks and stuff, although I don't really do that. But in that game, it goes over financing, buying properties, the market. It's great for evaluating properties and mm -hmm. getting some of the very basics in that. And also, it's a good place to test out hey, this game, I'd like to try being much more risky. How much risk is it before I'm much more likely to go bankrupt? <laughs> we don't want that to happen. Okay, I know you attended a lot of real estate meetings and investing workshops, and I imagine that you were probably often the only kid in the class. What did the adults think about all of that? Did they ever say anything to you? I was, I guess, a special case. I started out by going to the youth academy or the teenager group that was normally supposed to be 14 to 25 year olds. But you weren't even 14 yet. And my dad actually helped get me in by talking to the people that ran it and saying, hey, my kid is a little bit under the minimum age, but he's looking to start investing. How can I get him in? He made sure I knew that I had to be professional, which I had been going to the small weekly meetings since I was born. So being professional at a meeting, sitting, paying attention, sometimes talking in, if I had an intelligent comment or question, that was 
perfectly normal and fine for me. I'm sure a couple people wondered, why is there a kid here? <laughs> but at the end of that, my dad asked, how do you like it? And I said, it was good. And after a little bit of frying, I finally answered, it was good, but it was a little bit boring. Can I go to the adult class next year? You already knew so much of the information, I'm guessing. Yeah, my parents had taught me a lot of similar lessons. Yes. And I'm sure I learned quite a bit of stuff there, but it was a little bit boring for me. I was teaching the other 20-year-olds how to play cash flow there, which I found pretty entertaining at the time. By the time you're 10, you obtain your Ohio Professional Housing Provider Certification. You were the youngest person ever to get that certification. And then also by the time you're age 10, you have your own company. You have three different lawyers on your team. How many properties did you own by the time you were 10 years old? I'm not exactly sure, although I know by the time I published my book when I was 11, I owned 22 properties. Wow. How many do you own now, today? 41, as of recording this. <laughs> One of the things that you talk about is that you believe that there's too much competition on MLS, which is the multiple listing service. So how do you find the properties that you want to buy? My biggest way to find properties is other people in those weekly meetings I talked about. Frequently people say, hey, I've got a property or a couple properties I'm looking to sell or I'm looking to retire. Will anyone buy some of my stuff? So just going, talking to them, yes. helping their problem, and then also getting what you want. A billionaire taught my parents, find out what people want, which in that case was to sell their property, go out and get it, and give it to them at a profit, and do it in that order. You've accomplished something that many people only dream of. At age 11, you had your first book, If I Can Do It, So Can You. And I've read it, and I learned a few things in it too, I must admit. And it really is about investing in what you've learned and that you can do it as well. You write in the book that there are only three things you need to buy real estate, money, credit, and knowledge. Let's start with money, which you say is the easiest of the three. Most people would think that would be the hardest. Why is money the easiest? Borrowing money these days is not too difficult. Sure, getting a bank loan is a lot of work and paperwork, but most people can figure out how to do that. There's also many other ways, as I talk about in the lending chapter. Bank loans are just one of the most well-known of them all. There's also private lenders, which I mentioned earlier. Getting a little bit more complicated, there is something called Subject 2, which is where I start paying on someone else's mortgage and also get the house. The fact that you know all of this at this age is, is just extraordinary. All right, point number two you say is credit. And I know that you were so young. You talked about getting those loans, but getting that credit, you went to personal friends, et cetera, who could vouch for you. And then number three is that knowledge piece. It seems like there's an awful lot to know. When you say knowledge is one of the three things, what's the most important piece? Be creative and take action mm. are just kind of the two biggest, easiest, well, I guess not easiest, but simplest at least. <laughs> that is a good piece of advice. You also speak about money and becoming a billionaire and you have three steps. So I'm curious, is that your dream to become a billionaire? That's one of the things I'd like to do in my life. And do you have an age that you think you would like to reach that billionaire status? Is that a goal? 
I have not set an age to that just yet. Okay. (laughs) One of the things that I found really interesting in your book also was that you spent a fair amount of time, mostly on Saturdays, when you were rehabbing homes. I think you were doing some of this with your dad. What kinds of tasks did you do and what did you learn from those experiences? The few times I did actually work on properties, my parents had taught me a little bit about painting so I could help with that, cleaning, hauling stuff. And there were other things, but mainly today, I just hire people. As my dad (laughs) frequently says, I have people for that. (laughs) Yes, you do. But I also think just the fact that you really kind of understood some of the inner workings of rehabbing a home probably helped you when you were looking at properties to say, okay, I know that can be done, that can be fixed, this can't be fixed, this takes an expert or something like that. Yeah, this is a real easy five-minute fix. Oh, that's going to take a few hours. Oh, and that's a two-week job. Now, it is not always fun to own properties. You once had to evict someone. What was that experience like? Uh, My first eviction, and I've had to evict plenty of people, but this one was especially memorable. My first one, a lady apparently had 14 pots of meth. They evacuated the entire block. Wow. And my dad had to sit me down and say, kid, we might lose this property. And I thought, okay, we lose the property. I can buy another. That's... I'll recover. And they said, but the mortgage won't go away. We ended up not losing the building. They had apparently caught it fairly early on. So you had to evict her, but you were able to save the house. Yes, I guess that was the main thing, but also green your tenants. Also, bad things are going to happen sometimes, but learn from it and move on. Yeah. A mistake is just a learning experience. I agree. You talked about being homeschooled, and I've never been homeschooled. What is that like? I mean, what's your typical day like? I don't exactly have a typical day. (laughs) That's a great thing about it. I wake up in the morning, come down and work on schoolwork. But more than that, when I was younger, I had literally a specific class just called investing. Part of my school is learning about investing and sometimes teaching about investing. I think at one time, maybe it was age 12, you went to Kent State University, and I think you're currently taking classes at Stark State University. What are you studying? Entrepreneurship. If I get a degree, it'll be an entrepreneurship. I figure if anything's going to help me, it would be that. Besides sharing valuable how-tos in your book when it comes to investing, you also share some wise nuggets of advice, one of them being A lot of credibility in business is just clear communication. And as a communications coach, I agree with you 100%. And number two, always have multiple ways of doing something. And number three, it's better to lose a deal than lose a friend. At age 15, you're only 15, but have you ever had to let a deal go in order to save a friendship? There's times I had to scramble to save a deal and a friendship. Earlier this year, I was buying a fourplex, and the person I thought was going to be my lender fell through death in the family. Completely reasonable. Mm. So I had to find new funding for a fourplex in a week. It wasn't the easiest thing, but was another good lesson about always having backups. Always have a plan B. You have a second book, The Garage. What is that book about? 
That book is about a group of teenagers starting businesses out of a garage and hope to use it to help teach my generation or get them interested in investing and teach them some basic info to really help them get started. Hmm. And I think you're currently writing a sequel called The Garage, The Fall and Rise of Atlas, which is also going to be available probably in this fall. How do you even have time to write, Devin, with everything you've got going on? Really, it's being efficient with my time. Just not spending time on stupid things like watching the news. <laughs> you know you're talking to a former news anchor. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that after I said it. That's okay, I forgive you. <laughs> a lot of what they show on the news today is irrelevant, wrong, or really is just going to scare you and not help you. Mm, okay. We literally canceled our cable. There wasn't much on there that we cared about. What do you do for fun besides investing? Also writing, I consider fun. Wasn't exactly when I was writing my first book, but now writing has become a little bit more of a fun thing. Do you have friends outside of homeschooling? I have a couple friends I actually met at that National Real Estate Convention. Good. They actually understand a little bit more of what I'm doing. Well, that helps. That's what makes good friendships when you have similar hobbies intact, in right? Right. You are only 15 and you have accomplished so much, more than most people can even imagine in a lifetime. What is the dream, Devin? What's the dream? To make the world a better place. And how are you going to do that? By helping teach people about investing and really help people live better lives mm -hmm. and not be in fear. Too many people today live in fear. Living in fear only causes you to have negative thoughts, which just drag you down. Mm -hmm. I want to help build people up. Well, you do. And you do so in your books, you do so in your trainings, and you do so when you share your philosophy and approach with the world on podcasts like this. Both of your books are available on Amazon and also on your parents' website, which is clearskytrainer.com. We're going to have that in our show notes for people. And I know that they can find you on Twitter if people want to get in touch with you. So Devin, I just want to say thanks for joining me today and sharing your brief life story with us thus far and letting us know that we are never too old nor too young to learn and grow and make our dreams come true. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on. And may Devin's story inspire you to know that it is possible to live your best life at any age. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.